It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's yeah. possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway a Kyrie when he make a trade and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you got to repeat. So in depth, they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth, you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen after every game is very important, Millie. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast with the Rainy Jays. Today, it's me, your boy, Jay King from The Athletic, here with Sam Jam Packard, the great formerly of WEEI. We are sitting up here tonight on my roof deck, the beautiful south end of Boston, staring out at the Prudential Center and all that life has to give. It's the first time Jay King's gotten sunlight uh, in, I would say, 48 hours. Um, and we're at least I'm celebrating. Jay, an objective journalist, has no dog in the fight, but I'm celebrating Celtics' wonderful four to one uh, victory over the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm I'm just celebrating the outside. I haven't been outside in a long time. We got people at the roof deck alongside us chatting. We're just podcasting next to the next to the people. Um, anyway, Brad Stevens told us to get outside, so that's what we're doing. We're getting outside. Celtics dispatch the 76ers. We'll look back a little bit at that series. Well, we need you. We need to get your uh, your fresh takes on the series because me and John went for a while we'll, last yesterday talking about 76ers. We'll give my fresh takes on the series. We'll give a glimpse forward at LeBron James and the Cavaliers, how they match up with the Celtics, how the Celtics match up with them. We'll give our predictions. Have yeah, you given a, a bunch of already? a bunch of mailbag questions? I'm going to pick out the best ones because the Rain Jays is blowing up. Early days, we'd have to go with any mailbag question, but now we got we can be a bit we, more selective. We got we got to <laughs> trim them down these days. The Rain and Jays, we're moving up in the world. We're moving up in the world thanks to the Celtics. The Celtics are compelling, and I think that's the only reason why people put up with us on a daily basis. We are the only <laughs> Celtics podcast Monday through Friday. In case you guys didn't know. And if you don't listen to us, you're stupid. <laughs> you're stupid. <laughs> but anyway, let's let's start with a look back. Let's start with a look back at the Wild 76ers series, which uh, really it was it was more competitive than most five game series. Like after game one, the Celtics could have lost every single game. They could have lost the next four. They, they could, almost did. <laughs> <laughs> they literally almost lost every single game from then on out. Uh, game five was just a war zone. And the end was was perfectly Celtics, wasn't it? It was like I mean, any end with Marcus Smart just taking over and just doing whatever he please, 
the, the free throws thing still cracks me up. That he missed the first one and then tried to miss it and uh, made it, and then immediately does like an interception. But he was huge down the stretch, and that basically is perfectly Celtics. Just when he impacts winning, the interception was just so outrageous. Like if he had played for the Patriots in the Super Bowl, they probably would have shut out the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been linebacker or free safety, whatever he would have been. He would have gotten the job done. He probably would have injured like four different people. He probably would have injured himself four different times. He would have gotten kicked out of the game for unnecessary roughness <laughs> over the like, defenseless receiver on the first play. Like, let's be real here. Uh, the Sarich Smart battle was pure theater. Like those two guys are just ultra competitors. I, I've always respected Sarich, but I think when you see what he does over a full series and you see all of the key buckets he makes and Whenever they needed like a momentum shifting three pointer, it seemed like Saric was the one to give it to him. Redick even missed a, a bunch of them. Uh, a huge one. When yeah, he, that uh, Sixers were up too. A wide open one. He's open for about. Four I know seconds. that one's gonna haunt him. That one's definitely gonna haunt him because he hasn't been on a lot of deep playoff runs. Like he was on those Clipper teams that were kind of that never got to the uh, conference finals. Yeah, that were kind of snake bitten in a lot of ways. And I mean, if he if he makes that. Wait, wasn't they, he on the finals team with the Magic? Did he even play for that team, though? Like, I don't know. I'm wasn't wasn't he NBA just a, a bit piece? Courtney, Courtney Lee was the starter. I think he was on that team, though. Um, and he he actually he might have missed a big shot in the finals that year. Yeah, so he's a classic joke artist. I don't know. J.J. Redick is my guy, man. J.J. Redick, one of my favorite players to watch in the league. Don't don't disparage JJ. I bet you're a big TJ McConnell fan too. I'm not a big TJ McConnell fan. Yeah, I was just going for vague coded language about race. Yeah, that, that was a white guy statement, man. <laughs> it definitely was. <laughs> you just thought I love white guys. I'm not. I'm not not into all white guys. It has to be a certain a type of white guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love Reddick because he's always moving, always always on the run. He looks like one of the most one of the toughest guys to guard, even though he's not like a star. He's got to be just hell to guard. You got to be locked in the whole time. Marcus Smart did a great job on him. Uh, that helped decide the series. Smart was so good. Like punished Redick in the post. I, I I was watching that and wondering how much of that they'll be able to carry forward the Celtics into the Cavs series. Like, can you have Smart try to batter Kyle Korver if Korver guards him? I don't know. Uh, you might be able to. You Post, posting smart has been something they've gone to against smaller guards for the entire season. It's it, it was more last year. I feel like like last year he was they did it a lot, and then this year they kind of got away from it a little bit. But it's still something that Stevens yeah. is willing to go to, especially when he thinks he has a, a size advantage. And I think just as the matchups in the Sixers series kind of made it, they didn't have a great guard depth. The Sixers, I mean, the Cavs do not have great guard depth. Any moment Jose Calderon is on the floor should be a victory for the Celtics. Um, close personal friend of the podcast, George Hill, um, <laughs> is going to be. It's going to be interesting to see how he defends Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart. It's just because I think Marcus Smart will have an advantage against um, Hill. Against well, Hill is a good defender. Don't he's a disrespect solid defender, Hill. But I think Marcus Smart has an advantage in him against the post. And if you want to put two guards up against him, like uh, J.R. Smith or Corver, I still think Marcus Smart posting up is a viable option. Yeah, it'll be interesting because in a lot of ways, I feel like the Celtics have matchups advantage, matchup advantages in this series. Like Kyle Corver, I don't think he can really guard anyone in their starting guard, five. He can't guard Juice. He can't guard 
Terry Rozier. He the, can't go okay, so let's talk about the starting five. They probably have to move Aaron Baines out of the starting five. It depends if what the Cavs do. If I this is something John and I talked about last night. If they try to start Tristan Thompson, I think you keep Baines in just because you can do that. and He improves your defense so much. But if they go with their traditional starters and Kevin Love at the five, yeah, I think they have to start. I don't know. Marcus Morris has really been struggling, but he is a guy who's defended LeBron before. I'm not going to call him LeBron stopper, but so either you start one of you start one of the Marcuses. In and what's here. interesting about the Marcus Morris starting thing is if he starts, that might force the Cavaliers to put LeBron James on him because I think Kevin Love will be matched up against Al Horford, right? And I think ideally. Probably the Cavs would want to have LeBron on Tatum. I would, I would guess, uh, just to try to shut him off after what he's done. But if if Marcus Morris starts, he might be able to post the crap out of Kyle Korver and or J.R. Smith or if you have either of those guys guard him. So I'm I'm interested to see how the Marcus Morris matchup impacts this series. I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics start him and and try to use that matchup to their advantage. Marcus Morris, <laughs> he had a classic classic bad Marcus Morris game five. He's had a bad, not a great series for Marcus Morris. Yeah, it wasn't a great series. Um, he did turn in a nice one for ten performance, which even in Major League Baseball would be bad. Yeah, he he wasn't he wasn't having a, a typical, he wasn't having a very efficient night. Um, he missed some really tough ones, a lot of out of rhythm jumpers. Force. He missed all the same shots he normally makes. Fine, <laughs> fine. He missed all the shots he normally that makes. That was my defense. Like, you can't get mad at Mook for missing shots. Mook's going to take shots. Mook, Mook is going to take shots, and Mook will continue taking shots. Um, I think the reason they start Mook uh, is because it's something Brad mentioned, um, with the reason going back to Jalen in the starting lineup. Shane Larkin's going to be out for the first uh, two games at least. Who knows, maybe longer. And you're just going to want someone to be that backup point guard, Marcus Smart coming in the bench to kind of – they played a lot of minutes together, him and Terry Rozier, but you're going to want a, like a primary ball handler on the court for four to eight minutes, and so it just makes more sense for Marcus Smart to be that first uh, first guy off the bench, basically. Yeah, so we'll see. I, it's going to be a very different series. Um, obviously, you can't defend LeBron James like you defended Ben Simmons. <laughs> like, LeBron James is willing to shoot and <laughs> is, uh, will make shots. Yeah, LeBron... Uh, he will punish you if you defend him the same way you defended Simmons. All right, so what do you think of Corrales' uh, – I'm going to say crazy theory where you just single cover LeBron James, let him – like, you don't let him, but you basically accept that he's going to go off and you just guard all the three-point – you basically guard the three-point line with the same kind of vigor you did with the 76ers, and you don't let people like Kevin Love, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, close personal friend George Hill, um, you don't let that with those guys beat you. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. I think there are merits to that. I think if you can force him to get 45 without getting other guys involved, then that might be a win for your defense. I, so I, I do think 
there are some benefits to just kind of trying to make LeBron go wild as long as you can hold up individually in that matchup. I think one thing that does is that puts a lot of stress on your individual defenders. And given that the Celtics have basically like seven or eight guys that they're willing to go to, and I don't think this will be a Greg Monroe series at all. I think he'll be out of the rotation. I don't know if they go beyond, like, Semi played eight minutes in that uh, game five. But Shemi will be there. He'll, oh, he'll be, he'll be an option on LeBron. Off, but I think Aaron Baines' minutes are going to come down unless Tristan Thompson is a big guy. But they're really going to play eight guys, probably seven and a half yeah. consistently. Yeah, so when you look at it like that, like if you, if you force LeBron to go one-on-one, then all of a sudden you're putting more stress on those individual defenders, maybe picking up a ton of fouls. Um, and if you get in foul trouble, who the hell do you go to? It's like... Abnader. Like, Abnader. Like Yabu? Yabu? Yabu at the floor guarding game. LeBron? Like, <laughs> there are... So I, 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 I understand what he's saying. I understand why you would just want to shut off the other guys and make LeBron beat you by himself because he's such a great passer and he has so many shooters around him and they can be so dangerous. But I, I think there's a downside to that, too. And the downside is beyond just the fact that he can crush you single-handedly, I, I think. So th- there will be a lot that the Celtics have to juggle in this series. Like, when the Celtics, when the Cavs go small with Kevin Love at center like they've done over the first two rounds, and George Hill at point guard, Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith, they just have shooters everywhere. And Korver is playing at a different level than he's played over the past couple of years. J.R. Smith is back to kind of being J.R. Smith. Love had a great series against Toronto. So that that lineup right now is rolling. And I do think the Celtics match up against it. I do think there's switchable athletes and length and versatility can help them have a better chance of defending those actions than Toronto. And Pacers actually did a great job stopping the Cavs. The Cavs didn't kill the Pacers offensively. It was more of the Pacers just couldn't score, which was kind of weird. I mean, but that's the same problem you expect the Celtics to run into. Is the Celtics have great defense, but they're not the most efficient offense. They consistently struggle to score points, um, and it's like it's an interesting matchup against probably the league, the East's best offense against the league's best defense, and then a mediocre defense against a mediocre offense. And it's whether or not the Celtics can, because I expect the, the Cavs to score, because that's what the Cavs do especially when LeBron's playing over 45 minutes, it's really going to be if the Celtics can kind of keep up with them. Um, and so you're like, I think the Cavs are probably going to score between 100, 110 points a game. It's whether or not the Celtics can consistently get buckets. And I don't know. With, with the way they're playing, I think uh, Juice and uh, Jason Tatum are, are doing great right now. But they're playing a lot of like individual well, kind of one-on-one basketball. It's, I think – it's going to be interesting to see how they try to attack the, the Cavs defense, which has been historically bad, just like very not good uh, for the entire year. Um, have they flipped the switch and turned it on, or did they just play the Toronto Raptors? Who well, the Raptors it? scored against them. The Raptors did score. Now, the Cavs scored a whole lot more, but the Raptors didn't have much trouble scoring for most of that series. So it's one of the things that will decide this series – beyond the LeBron factor, is whether the Celtics can crack through the creaky Cavaliers' defense. Like, can they take advantage of the fact that the Cavaliers just 
really can't guard people. They need mul- they need thirty point quarters, like multiple thirty. Thirty point, point quarters. That's how you know. Like that's a rare thing that the Celtics did. That in game five they had a thirty six point second quarter with a crazy eight zero run to end the half. But that's what the Celtics need if they want to be in these games. Just because even though the Celtics do have the best defense, it's just LeBron's damn good and surrounded by shooters, he's even better. And so I just expect that it's going to be high flying, high flying affair. Yeah, it's going to be very different. I think from the the second round series against Philadelphia, the Celtics were able to shut off all of Philadelphia's shooters because they were able to almost like ignore Ben Simmons. Like that that's that's not right because they didn't ignore him. They spent a lot of focus like trying to keep him away from. They did a great job of spreading themselves out at the foul line, but he is. This is definitely my brand right now, but like, dude needs to shoot. He does need to shoot. It, I, I'm, I was thinking about it today. Like, would it have been okay if I asked him or Brett Brown, like, about his unwillingness to shoot? Or that would be a, a gotcha question from a, a journalist? No, that, that's that's the most fair question there is. Well, I got to wait till next year then. <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's, it's, like, it's crazy how much that impacted the game. Every Did game. Did you see his shot chart? Yeah, it was. There was three shots outside the paint. All misses, by the way. And then nothing else. We got Aaron Baines scoring more, taking more threes than he's ever taken in his career, knocking him down in the corner because he's amazing. But I don't know. I've I've gone on long enough about Ben Simmons' cowardice, but it's just, <laughs> it's a fun topic because he's so good. Well, here's the thing. He he could always get away with that before. Like he was the best prospect coming out of high school. He was the number one pick coming out of college. He was, he's probably going to win rookie of the year. He brought the 76ers, who were trash, to the third seed and the second round. And he, and he, he had, still averaged 14 points a game. And, like. he, and he had an easy time with Miami. So that, it was the first time in his life that his lack of shooting really caused that many issues, right? Like it was the first time in his life that a team exposed him for. Say it. I won't say, say it. it. I won't say it. I won't say it. For his unwillingness for his, to perform in the moment. For his unwillingness no, no, to it, take a risk. It wasn't his unwillingness to perform in the moment. It was just his complete inability to shoot outside of the paint. It's not even an inability. The fact that he didn't take a shot changes the the whole dynamic. I wonder what he would look like if he did shoot. He like would he, he would he I make any of that? He pre like I've seen him knock down corner threes warming up pregame. He like can do it. He probably needs well, to Greg switch Monroe hands. can knock down corner threes. I know, but so can Aaron Baines. Like, you just need <laughs> to be able to shoot it. We, you had that tweet about the they had a huge closeout on uh, uh, Aaron Baines in the corner, and he had to, like they had to close out to him. They had to pay attention. This is the reason Marcus Smart is successful is because they treat him like he's a scorer because he's willing to shoot. He's not very good at it, but like <laughs> they treat him like he's a scorer, and it allows him to be more aggressive. I don't know how often I could, I, I could go on this rant every podcast, and I think I have for the past seven episodes, but it's still fun for me. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, moving on to the Cavaliers, who have LeBron James, who is... Noted good basketball player. Noted willing shooter as well, especially now. He's become a much better shooter than ever before, which is a big deal. Um, I'm interested to see who the Celtics use on him as a primary defender. Do you think Jalen is big enough? This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. 
After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That was my initial reaction last night, I, but I don't know who, like, if you start Marcus Morris, I think it makes sense to start Marcus Morris uh, yeah, on LeBron James. Agreed. If they if they end up going small, but I think it's going to be Marcus Morris, Shemi, some a bit of Al Horford, Jalen, Jalen, maybe even Jason Tatum in there. Although Tatum feels, it feels like anytime Tatum would get matched up on him, LeBron's just going to post him up. But I can say the same thing about Jalen Brown. So yeah, I don't know. There's never a great matchup for defending LeBron James. This is this is very <laughs> true, and and that's that's what I keep coming back to in this series. Like the Celtics still have the number one ranked defense. The Celtics are every bit they're every bit like a pesky team and they've figured out ways to score going to Jason Tatum more than ever and running more offense throughout Horford and unleashing Tito Rozier as the man who revives 90s Patriots heroes. <laughs> <laughs> and think of Drew Bledsoe coming to the podium, being the first guy at the podium. Drew Bledsoe, he pulled the wool over everybody's eyes. He made everybody think he was this Celtics fan who loved the Terry Rozier He's thing. Wine he was just there to sell wine. <laughs> of course. God damn you, Drew Bledsoe. But Terry Rozier just like brought it up to sell T-shirts. Like it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Symbiotic is the word. Symbiotic, yeah. So. Drew Bledsoe, everybody latched on to the Drew Bledsoe thing. He just wanted to sell some booze. And he's gonna make some Terry Rose. God bless him for it. He did a great job. He he went he was on he was in every newspaper, he was in every he was on every every T V show. He had a goddamn press conference at the podium. So Drew Bledsoe made the most of his maybe his last opportunity in the in the sun, he still had happy feet in the pocket, and I thought I was never, <laughs> somebody, never a great quarterback. Some, somebody tweeted me that uh, Rick Meyer never, <laughs> would, never would have worn the Terry Rozier jersey, and that was just my favorite tweet of the night. Although, shouts to Drew Bledsoe for coming in in 2001 AFC Championship game when Brady got hurt and throwing a touchdown pass. Huge moment. Legend. Let, legend. Needed that AFC Championship legend. touchdown. That was a legend. Um, and, and then seeding his spot once again to yeah. Tom Brady the following week. I got to just shout out Lil Steves. We basically just uh, uh, answered the question about who's going to slow down LeBron, but he asked that question, hashtag Rainy Jays. Um, talking about Terry Rozier, from our uh, man Efren Ramos, who's uh, one, of the, one of the better meme creators out there. Rozier averaged 16.7 points per game against Cleveland this season. The only team he averaged more against was Sac Sacramento with 22.5. Are we looking at another situation where the opposing team doesn't have personnel to guard point guards? I think this will be Terry's moneymaker. We mentioned George Hill, uh, pretty good defender. 
Terry's already got the moneymaker, man. <laughs> Terry's already got that t-shirt business on lock. <laughs> Terry comes out with a new t-shirt every, after every game. Yeah, and Terry doesn't need the t-shirt money because Terry's going to be getting a lot of NBA Terry's money. Terry's going to be getting that bag for sure. But yeah. what do you think about his potential to, to uh, just be the, a scorer in the series? Terry Rozier at home, I think there's a, there's a lot of potential there. He just seems to be way more confident of a, of a player. And for a lot of Terry, it seems like confidence is key. Now, like at home, he's taking and making step back threes on the road. It seems to not go as well for him. I don't know. I think there's there's an opportunity there for them, but I I, I feel like home court advantage is definitely important in this series, just for the the shooting just like disparities between home and road. The splits are it's kind of insane. Yeah, I, I want to see. Like I said, like it. This is it's hard to boil it down to just is LeBron enough to to carry the Cavs to victory. And but, he might be. But that kind of feels like what this series is going to boil down to. I do think outside of LeBron, like the Celtics have a, a more talented roster. A, a, a deeper roster, a, definitely. A, a obviously more defensively capable roster. Um, a, a younger, more athletic roster. So a lot of it is just going to come down to like how much of that matters when LeBron is just so damn good. And that... It feels so stupid to say that on a podcast. Like, like really, that's that's what your basketball analysis boils down to. Like, like sometimes it's simple, man. But sometimes it's sometimes it, it it is like that. Like the Raptors, they spent all goddamn year changing their style and telling everyone they're different this year and they're ready for the, the playoffs. Bench mob. The bench mob is key. Yeah, the bench mob, and and then they got into the Cleveland series, and none of it mattered. LeBron. Ripped out their soul in game one, stomped it in game two, punted it over the fucking lake in game three. And then what ju- lake is that? And then just like caressed it gently as he closed <laughs> the door in game four. So LeBron is the dream crusher. He is the team crusher. Think about how many Eastern Conference teams he has just destroyed over the years. Like there was his a whole article about it today. His run of going to the finals, it was like the Derrick Rose Bulls, the Paul George Pacers, the he started with the KG started with the KG Celtics. He put them to bed. The big three Celtics. It carried on to like the Pacers, the, the sixty win Hawks, then oh, the yeah. Raptors. He convinced the Celt- He helped convince the Celtics that their Eastern Conference finalist last year wasn't good enough. Like LeBron just has piddled on the Eastern Conference for many years. And it hasn't mattered how good teams are. It hasn't mattered that some of those teams were close to great. I do think this is the most susceptible Cavs team in a long time. I think the fact that they almost lost the goddamn Pacers in round one suggests, like, this is not a juggernaut. I think the Raptors had mental issues that they couldn't overcome that the Celtics won't necessarily have. I don't see the Celtics backing down from LeBron James. And the Celtics are great at late game execution, making the right plays, never like backing down from a moment. They're they're very capable of coming back from like eight points in the in the final minute. They're also very capable of giving up a twelve point lead with like four minutes to play. So as much mental toughness as they have with adversity, they don't deal with success that well. They're, they still are kind of blowout at first, but I don't think you're right. I don't think they're going to back down. I don't think it's going to be. It's going to be a series. The Celtics certainly have the potential and the talent and the coaching to win the series. 
and that's what makes it so interesting. So, Jay King, what's your prediction? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to stick with what I've been telling people. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you're consistent and, at least. And this, some people are going to say it's a hot take. I've said this since before the Raptors-Cavaliers series. I think if the Raptors had won, the Celtics would have had a lesser chance of winning the Eastern Conference Finals. I know it's LeBron, and I know it's the Cavaliers, but I think the Celtics match up well. Celtics in seven, Sam. Woo! Celtics in seven. That's objective journalist Jay King picking Cel- Celtics in seven, not Celtics Homer Sam Packard, seven. who was going to pick Celtics now, in seven no matter now, what. Now, am I petrified of making a pick that involves LeBron James, of all people, losing a game seven to a team that starts a bunch of guys or plays a bunch of guys who lost a game at really home been this there? postseason? This is true. This is true. I can't believe I'm saying it. I've got the Celtics going to the finals. Which is wild. <laughs> Which is absolutely wild without Kyrie Irving. I'm not even going to bring up Gordon Hayward. He doesn't count this year. But without Kyrie. And that's the thing that the. He'll count next year. He'll count next year. But the, the Cavs were damn good last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. Because Kyrie had that crazy scoring explosion. But if they can somehow slow down LeBron James. Like that is. There is no second option. Like Kevin Love as good as he's been playing. He's he's a secondary guy. He's, yeah, he's he's not gonna kill you by himself. He'll, okay, and the thing about the Celtics, like the Raptors, didn't have the right personnel to switch on Kevin Love and get away with it. The Celtics do. Like even if you switch Smart on him, it's not gonna be an easy post up bucket. Even if you switch Jalen on him, Tatum on him, it's not gonna be an easy post up bucket. Speaking of trying to post up Smart, and I'm sorry to derail us and go way back. Dario. Dar- what did you think about that final play? Marcus Smart screaming out, I got this. But just the fact that they go to trying to post up Marcus Smart on the possession you need. Tie game. Yeah. Posting up Smart. It seems insane to me. So I have I have two trains of thought here. One, Dario Sarge had been a boss. He had been dominating Smart. Dario Sarge had been a boss. He had just dug in and scored a bucket in the post on Marcus Smart. He, what did he end up with? Twenty-seven points was it? Yeah. So he he was the second best player for the for the Sixers that whole series. Maybe the best player. You, you could. I defer to JoJo on that one, but you're I, you can make the argument that because there's some games where uh, Embiid was just not efficient. Yeah. Actually, Embiid's worst game was the game they actually won. Um, so you, but whatever the case, Saric was a boss. So I don't hate going to him. <laughs> However, when you attack Marcus Smart With on a, a post-up on in the final minute of a tie game, you must know there is going to be a <laughs> collision. There is going to be a collision, and it is going to go one way or the other. And that man is filled with such rage at that moment, Marcus Smart, that he doesn't even know what's going on. And you're going to try to draw him into battle? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so... But... Uh, that's the thing. That was probably Philly's best option. Embiid didn't have much success in the post against Horford. He was probably a little bit out of gas after being ridden through the whole third quarter when he was just amazing. And Simmons, what happened Sim- when he posted Simmons, Simmons, obviously not. Shouldn't even been on the court. Not a shooter. That's a wild claim. <laughs> okay, think about like there. The Sixers immediately went on their run to get back in the game as soon as he left. Okay, but yeah, back, back to the smart stars thing. I wish those guys would just play one-on-one and 
televise it. They wouldn't stop until someone died. No lie. I think it would end in a death. He, Sarge is a definitely a, a Sarge is a tough boy. He's a dog. He's a dog, that guy. Lots of respect for Sarge. But smart, it's it's tough, it's tough to post up smart in the final moments and get away with it. And then actually, the, like the next Celtics possession, Brad Stevens wisely didn't call a timeout. And Tatum got wide open underneath the bucket. Horford kind of missed him. Horford kind of missed him, him swung it to Smart, and then Smart was like, I see you, son. Threw it down there. Well, Tatum Smart finished. The Smart does have the vision. So, great see- that, that end sequence was just incredible from Smart. From the tip-in to the stop of Saric to the, the missing a free throw he wanted to make, making a free throw he wanted to miss, then full-on sprint, like – all the way across the court into the corner. Totally traveled, but got away oh, with it. Absolutely. Many steps. Totally traveled, but got away with it. It was it was just perfectly Marcus Smart. The only way that Eastern Conference semifinals could have ended. And now they've got LeBron, man. Now they've got LeBron. That's true. Again. Again. It's, Again. This is like, what, the fifth time the Celtics have yeah. played him? So I'm interested to see what happens with Tatum in this series. I'm interested to see how they defend Tatum, who they defend Tatum with. Well, that's one of the with. reigning Jays' questions. Is let's, let's hear it. Assuming they put LeBron on Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, who, like there's seemingly an advantage with the other guy. And so uh, is, that, is that something that the, the Celtics can definitely exploit? I'm assuming you put LeBron on Tatum just for size, but um, does that mean Jalen Brown has an like, opportunity just to go off? Or if they don't guard Tatum with LeBron, who's going to guard Tatum? Like, Tatum seems to be able to get to the basket with ease. His ability to get to the free throw line in that game was huge. And it's pretty much been huge. And one of the major reasons why he's been able to do this 20-point scoring uh, streak. I just don't know what the matchup is, uh, specifically with those two guys, uh, Taco J and Juice. Yeah. I, I don't know how they'll guard him. I don't know what they'll choose to do. I'm interested to see what happens if LeBron does guard him. How much success Tatum can have, how much the Celtics can try to lean on him. This this postseason, he's grown up, man. Like he's been a grown up all year, but he's a father. He's he's a father now. He, he Shout is out a father. To Deuce, constantly taking naps. He is a father, but he he has been just a total total. It's been an evolution since the playoffs started. Like he was a low usage role player for most of the year. Because Kyrie was in, and he was a spot up like three point shooter to begin yeah. the year. That's and, why he was so good. And now it's like they're just running sets to get him kind of isolated on the move. Their rotation patterns make it so it's like when Al Horford or Rozier's out, they're going to Tatum as the like the main facilitator. Of yeah, offense. and and it's just like, bam! All of a sudden, Tatum is scoring twenty points and getting to the free throw line at a much better rate than he ever did, and creating all these plays and. The alley-oop he threw to Horford in the final moments, like, that's a, that's an impressive play. Like, the He's, Celtics were just run. They had a game five where, like, it, it's it's dramatic to say the series was on the line. But if you lose that, you go back to Philly, you lose again. All of a sudden, you're facing game seven. And the, the chance to become the first team in NBA history to lose a 3 nothing lead. So, game five, final, final minute and a half, and they're running everything through Tatum. They ran it all through Tatum, and he made great play after great play. The lob to Horford, he missed the layup, but Smart put it back in. It's just the evolution has been incredible. He's just handled every responsibility they've given to him. So now 
if LeBron guards him, what do the Celtics do? Like, does that just Pass shut the them ball off? Away. I think you have to attack with Jalen at that point. You have to basically attack at any non-LeBron point, and hopefully LeBron sticks on the perimeter guarding the three-point shooter. Just, just run Smarf and Morris post-ups. I think that's unfortunately going to happen a lot. Smarf and Morris post-ups all day. Here's a question from my own personal brain. Who's better right now, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown? Tatum. But Jalen Brown's a much more capable defender. I'm not convinced he's a much more capable defender. I think Tatum's a very capable defender. I think Brown is on his way to becoming a defensive beast. But I I think Tatum's a very capable defender, and I think the fact that you can just run everything through him and... He does so much so fluidly. I, I give Tatum the edge right now. Those guys, I mean, they are they get overlooked. Their talent level gets overlooked sometimes, I think, because everyone wants to just credit Brad Stevens. And They're clearly good, and Brad Stevens has done a lot to like allow them to maximize their potential. But those two guys are special, man. It's not just that they're good. They're special. Like Together, the fact that the Celtics have these two guys, 21 and 20 years old, doing what they're doing in the playoffs... It's crazy. I mean, you look at the numbers Tatum has put up, the seven 20-plus games in a row to become the first guy, well, the second guy, including Donovan Mitchell this year, since Dr. J in 1972 to do that as a, as a rookie. That's insane. That's insane. Nobody does what he's doing at this level for a winner. Nobody does what he's doing at this level for anybody. And he's doing it efficiently. He hasn't even shot the ball well from three-point arc in the playoffs. There's some, some Twitter speculation that he hurt his... Uh, he definitely did hurt his left. Do you think that affected his shot? Because normally you would see Tatum attempt more threes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he hit, he hit all his free throws. He was still getting to the paint. He was still catching the ball well. So I don't know whether it affects the shot. It might, have, he might, it might have, but he said he was fine. We'll see moving forward if it does. But, I mean, it, it really is incredible. He just averaged 23.6 points per game on 62.6% true shooting. And he And he didn't shoot the three-pointer well. Earlier this year, it was like, okay, Tatum is – playing great efficient basketball but it's because he's shooting at an unsustainable level well he's not shooting at an unsustainable level anymore and he's still just dicing up lesser defenders and so uh, we'll see we'll see he made a lot of guys look bad in that philadelphia series poor robert covington came in with like all defensive all defense robert covington all defensive aspirations and just got roasted he fell down (laughs) Never good to fall down when ne- you're defending. Never good to fall down. We got any more questions? We got to, well. Let's transition to my favorite topic: rating junk. Uh, this is from at Trevor B N J, um, a known poster. Uh, where does not trading Terry for Serge Ibaka rank in all-time Ainge moves? See, I don't think trading for Serge Ibaka was ever really an option. I mean, I'm sure it was on the table. Serge was getting moved, but. When you look at the Celtics' perspective, they weren't going to win a title last year. They knew that. They didn't want to spend whatever Serge is making on his current contract. Because he, he was looks like terrible over he, right he was an expiring last year. The Celtics were never going to give up young talent for him. I don't think it was necessarily like Terry Rozier is untouchable. It certainly wasn't that. It was just, we're not giving up Terry Rozier for Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka is not going to be enough of a difference maker to send us to the finals and to allow us to win the finals. So... Why would we do that? That was what the Celtics front office was thinking. So, yes. yes. That's a great move. <laughs> yes, it looked like a great move, but I I think it was an obvious move. I don't think that was ever, like, a, a thing. Like, do you, do you think trading for Serge Ibaka was, like, was a move the Celtics should have done? No, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. Especially to give up a first. 
Yeah. And Terry Rozier? Makes no sense. This is from uh, Koei Jupes, Joe Cooper writer. Who on the Cavs is the biggest coward? I'll let you answer this one first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the Cavs have cowards. Except Rodney Hood. <laughs> Except Rodney Hood. Except for the guy who refused who, to play. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't go into a playoff game. So I think that's the obvious answer. Well done. Um, who is more meme-worthy, JR or Terry? <laughs> Terry might have passed Historically? Him. Historically, Historically JR. speaking, JR. 100% JR. Just I, for the, you trying to get the pipe text alone. My favorite JR moment was... More of a private moment. Shout out to me. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to Jay King for having so, private moments. So he, he comes walking into uh, the the Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland wearing all green and like total golf outfit. And Scow was like, what are you wearing, man? And JR looked at him and he was like, it's the Masters this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, he was a known golfer. He recently was on Scott Van Pelt talking about the green he was going to hit the next day. Yeah. It was unknown if he was talking about uh, golfing green or um, marijuana, but um, it's a tough battle. I think I think Terry's uh, had a better season in terms of meme ability, but JR, historically, he's got the resume. Yeah, but Terry's got the juice right now. Terry's, Terry's got all the juice. Oh, it, it is it is windy right now. I, I hope you guys aren't getting too much of this on the podcast. Well, good thing, Jay, you invested in these uh, little fuzzy doohickeys we got on our microphones right now. And, um, <laughs> is that what you call them, fuzzy doohickeys? That's what I just did call them. I don't know. You were calling them fuzzy bitches before. I didn't feel like denigrating them. I think you're doing a great job for us. So, doohickey it is. Doohickey it is. Um, in terms of rain junk, I told anyone who's asked us about Kawhi and AD uh, that they are going to get roasted. And this uh, guy, Lucas Finkel, said, I'd like to see a scenario where we acquire Kawhi and then trade him for AD. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one. I like that idea. Uh, Lucas Finkel, I'm trying to look at your uh, profile picture to roast you, and you got a U.S. Army uniform on, and I really got nothing to work with there. Yeah, so uh, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. (laughs) Thank you for your service. You got a dumb face. Uh, Another person who asked us about it was uh, John Corrales. Um, I just... Uh, I don't know. I got nothing. You got to personally attack him. Uh, you promised you would roast him. John, you went on a many a rant last night's podcast, and it extended the episode beyond the required 30 minutes. We went an hour plus because you kept on talking, and it was uh, – I didn't know how to respond. There's You're a coward rant. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, running away to New Orleans. What a cowardly move. Uh that's it, man. That's all the that's all the stuff we got right now. That's all we got. All right. A few more days until Sunday's game one. We will be here every Monday through Friday, as we always are. We are the only Monday through Friday Celtics podcast. We are the best Monday through Friday Celtics podcast. If you don't subscribe to us already, you stupid. But if you want to, search for Locked On Celtics wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else. It is really getting windy up here on the roof deck. I'm getting a little chilly. I wanted to get some rays. It's not quite working out for me right now. We got overcast skies, but that's it for the podcast. LeBron is the overcast sky. The Celtics are trying to break through it, bring sunshine to the Boston area. Oh, the kid writes in the athletic. The kid's got words. <laughs> no. Sound, you like that metaphor or is it a simile? I, no, I don't know. It was corny either way. It was corny as fuck, and, but it was good. And that's it for this episode of Lockdown Celtics Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Kaizen. Yeah, Jay King and John Corrales.
Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.